0: Never let the football ruin a day at the football.
1: Day listeners, today's YE1 Daily features debutant Lily White, Dan Dawson, my mate Dan on Twitter, who is one of the podcast's original fans
0: and a brilliant endorser of our work. Dan,
1: welcome. Is this a dream come true to be on
0: YE1 Spurs? Dream come true. You know, not only do I get quizzed by you about my expenses now, I get quizzed about Spurs, which is fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I actually work with
1: Dan for listeners who don't, who don't obviously
0: know the, the connection, so uh, yeah.
1: Yes, so I work yeah. in finance and uh, Dan is it pretty goes much the head of the answer. company um, So Dan, so you've got another podcast So you, you've got a podcast but it's not in the field of sport So if you can tell us a little bit about your other podcast
0: No, it's, it's definitely not as entertaining as this one It's a it's a geeky one about advertising And about the outdoor advertising world and creativity So if there are any football fans out there That want to listen to some super geeky stuff about advertising then Check out Behind the Billboard on your podcast apps.
1: Cool, it's it's actually very good I, I've listened to it I, I, I'm mostly not too uh, On the content of it But it's very slick operations So hopefully Dan You won't judge us On our, on our slickness Let's get back to uh, Spurs And um, just a little bit
0: about you Who, who would you say Your favourite Ever Spurs player has been? Oh It's always a difficult question For me I've, I've got quite a few Because it's the, the Kind of difference Between the ones You've seen play live Versus the ones That you've watched The old black and white Films of I think the best Players I've had the joy watching at, at White Hart Lane in person: Gaza, Janola, Berbatov, Bale, and Kane. You see those players who are just a kind of different class and above all of the rest of the talent on the pitch and I never had the joy of watching Hoddle play a live match but I think he would be my ultimate favourite Spurs player yeah, That's that's a popular decision I think on,
1: on this show because I think me and Pete, would that
2: be up, yeah, maybe, up there for you and me Pete? Yeah, those kind of flair players have always been associated with the club we're like the aristocrats of London, and those just that bunch of players, you know, gives you goosebumps. I mean, it's just what just yeah, right, right, right. right about Hoddle, Dan? I used to just go to just watch him in the warm ups. Yeah, it was worth the ticket money just for that. Yeah, it really was.
1: And Dan, so what would you say was your? You'll say you're a season ticket holder at Spurs, and have been for many, many years. What would you say your most memorable
0: game has ever been? During my season ticket time, I've had a season ticket since two thousand eight. I used to sit in block thirty four in the Park Lane, so quite in the noisy bit, and I. have moved to the southwest corner now in the new stadium in block 258. So um, I can get involved if I want to be. I think the best game at White Hart Lane, uh, for me, I think it's got to be the Inter Milan game. And I think that game, the bail goals, the atmosphere at the lane, you know, I think that was where we could actually see Tottenham have got into the Champions League for the first time. And I think that was a vision where you invested a lot of time and money watching a club do nothing and then all of a sudden you're in the Champions League and you're beating him for Milan.
3: Make me misty-eyed. There was something about the Champions League nights at the old ground as well, wasn't there? I mean, it's it's it was obviously uh, the stadium was about half the size, wasn't it? But I just, I've been to a couple of Champions League games at the new ground and I went to a few in, in that season as well and it just... It's not felt as good as that. Maybe it's the novelty of being in it the first time. It was just really special having the old White Hart Lane and Champions League football, wouldn't you say that? Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think you know, like this whole light show before we start now, and all this, you know, the additional crap that goes with the Champions League night. You know, just that keeping it simple. The boys all in white on a European night at, um, at White Hart Lane, and the old floodlights, condensed crowd. It was just that season in the Champions League was something special. And it just made you want to sign at that top table season after season after having that music playing for the first time.
1: So on 28th of May 2014, Southampton boss Maurizio Pochettino was appointed Tottenham manager. Assistant Jesus Perez, first team coach Miguel de Agostino and goalkeeping coach Tony Jimenez also followed, while Saints head of recruitment Paul Mitchell would complete the entourage in November. As the season progressed, fortunes did begin to improve as Poch ...doctored our bloated squad in his image, but not without some early season hiccups. There was respite for Poch while we stole victory in an injury time at Villa Park... ...with a deflected free kick from a certain striker who's still yet to start in the league at this point. But the Argentinian was then forced to dismiss murmurs of the sack in November... ...when Stoke became the season's third away victors at White Hart Lane. This is a ye 1 archive clip from our second episode as Ricky... Described that match as his all-time Spurs supporting low point. Play the clip, head of IT.
3: So when Pochettino started, we had this game against Stoke. And it was, you know, Bale had gone. And I had this moment where I realised, Bale's gone and we've just lost against Stoke. And we
0: haven't got any good players. I hadn't noticed this yeah. decline.
3: And we, we had been really reliant on Bale. We were a bit of a one-man team. And uh, after he'd gone, I just remember this defeat against Stoke thinking under Pochettino. Thinking to myself, we haven't got any good players.
1: Ricky, they're talking about the decline of the side, which was really showing 15 months after Gareth Bow's departure. How how far do we agree with Ricky's summary there? Sim, what, what what do you think about Ricky's summary there?
3: I agree with him to a very large extent. I think Poch came in and he it, there was obviously a lot that had to change, so we had a lot of Deadwoods that was still hanging over. And I think this this season we're talking about now was the second season, but the very last chance in terms of a season that we were giving to the guys that we brought in to replace Bale and you know, people like Soldado who who played a few games and that season, and it took Kane, uh, as, as you, you mentioned before about the Villa game, it took Kane a while to be put into the start of 11, and we kind of wondered at the time was. Pops being told to to try and make these signings work, which clearly weren't working. People like Capu and Vlad Kericz, I think, featured a lot in this season. And you know, what Ricky was saying about that Stoke game, I, I do remember that game. We got beat two one, didn't we? And it was like you couldn't really see you just you couldn't you couldn't see where where the side was going at the time.
1: Peter, if I could sort of give you a little summary, in came Ben Davies, Michelle Warm. Dyer, Yedlin, Fazio, Stombouli and Delhi. De- Delhi came in the winter transfer window. But Pete, how many? How many do you think of those signings were actual Pochettino signings?
2: I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not really sure. Because uh, I think that he had a lot to do with the people who came from Southampton. People like Old and General Monjama. We were still it was 2014, 15, but we're still dealing with the fallout from the the sale of Bale and Modric and players of that quality and. <laughs> Just sort of filling the team up with numbers, really playing a numbers game. Yeah, I, 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 that, that's what it felt yeah. like to me. But I, I really don't think he had much to do with the um, transfer dealings. I don't think they were his choices anyway. Look, looking back, if you
1: can take yourself back down to the time when, when those players came in, I mean, looking back for me, they seem quite uninspiring now. But how did you feel at the time? Do you remember? Yeah,
0: I, I think Potch came in in that May and we'd seen what he'd done at Southampton and kind of. There was a lot of admiration for what he'd done with the, with the youth policy and stuff. And you think, well, he's going to go back to Southampton and pick up a couple of those players. And I think there were rumours about Schneidlin at the time as well.
2: Yeah, I remember, um, yeah.
0: And you've, you've got a chairman like Livy, who is essentially holding the purse strings. And a new manager, a new young manager like Poch. And he goes and says, right, I want Schneidlin, 20 to 25 million pounds worth of midfielder there. And you end up with Stambouli. You mm. kind of question how much backing the manager has from the chairman from day one. And it was the same with Fazio. You know, I don't think he really wanted Fazio, but okay. he got Fazio. It's a tough one because he was at the beginning of his reign, really. And I would have preferred at that point, we didn't have the financial clout, really, that we do have now or the headache of the new stadium. Well, you know, we, It was definitely money there, but he was refusing to spend it. He was saving up for probably the stadium, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think was, he really well, backed it.
1: No, I, I totally agree there, Dan, but I, what, I'm just going to throw a few stats out there. I mean, the turnover in players tr- in that season was incredible. 21 players out, 23 players loaned out, including Delhi back to MK in winter. But, I mean, that sort of turnover in a business, you know, say, for example, that was in our business, Dan, you know, it's you just couldn't, you know, there's, there's no sort of stability there. And I don't know, Sim, do you think there was no stability in the team in that season? It's all, It was a little bit up and down because there was so much
3: turnover of players. What seemed to turn in this season was just going back to basics. And I think he found... What really helped was that he found... Another thing we're going to talk about <coughs> later as well is... Obviously in the League Cup campaign, but we might as well touch on it a bit earlier. When Ryan Mason kind of broke in scoring that goal in the League Cup against Forrest. He seemed to find a blend in midfield when we were messing about with... Yeah, like you say, people like Stambouli and... Signings that were just kind of not really, didn't buy too much into Potcher's pressing game, which was what had worked at Southampton. But he, he seemed to find a blend in midfield with Mason and Bentelab. And those those were guys who yeah. really seemed to want to play for the side. And I think that was what ultimately turned the ship in that season. And You saw our form really improve starting kind of that New Year's Day game against Chelsea, the 5-3. I
0: distinctly remember that kind of, there was a lot of press and there was some rumours coming out from the players at the time that they weren't happy with the level of fitness work that they were having to do under Pochettino. I remember those first couple of months, you're looking at the pitch going, well, doesn't look like they're fit enough. I think he was kind of tinkering with the team a bit. He was trying to work out whether Capuay or Poligno actually had the drive to play the pressing game or not. And... When he turned to the youngsters, like as you say, like Mason, who was a revelation when he hit the team, he was. He was trying to find those players who really wanted to put the effort into his pressing game, and the fitness had to be there to do that.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Dan. That is because they really had energy and vigor. Both of those. If we think about, it, you know, it was a pretty much up and down season, but we still finished fifth, and unbelievably, we still, you know, in the it's not too far ago that here you know, we finished above Liverpool in that season again. So it was quite interesting. Does anyone have any uh, great sin you just mentioned? the Chelsea game but Peter have you, what was your favourite game from that season or, or any game which really stuck in your throat I, I want to hear a good one and a bad one
2: <laughs> Definitely a good one was the 5-3 New Year's Day win against Chelsea yeah. which uh, although we conceded, conceded three goals I just thought we were just completely went at them and just Kane just seemed to develop this knack of scoring in London derbies and I just remember him hitting a reverse shot where he was just drifting across the box and then he just arrows it into the bottom corner in the reverse direction and you thought well how's he scored from there? And I think Danny Rose scored a really brave goal in that where he just he sort of dived in, you know, to finish but he knew he was going to get clattered. And it changed the way that Chelsea approached the whole season. They went really defensive after that game. And Mourinho okay. started playing in a less expensive way for the rest of that season. That would be a particularly good one. Uh, I suppose a bad one. I am just thinking, was the, the one where we got done at the Etihad, was that in the same season? Yeah, the, 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 four, the Aguero. Yeah, 4-1 <laughs> defeat. That was really... Some jobs were stewarded. Refused to let me take my burger in, <laughs> which was, uh, and so I had this huge burger, you know, uh, sort of somehow, sort of on the blind side, managed to smuggle it into my bag. But then I didn't enjoy it because Aguero took us apart in that game, you know. And we had, we had, a, yeah. <laughs> a centre back partnership of Fazio and uh, Kabul, and they just got absolutely <clears throat> taken apart, demolished. Yeah, so that was my low. Yeah, I th- you
1: know, um, Dan, do you, but do you, do you think that that was a sort of hangover? We talked about a hangover from uh, previous seasons. And um, Dan, do you think Pochi's sort of at this point was trying? Because when when was this? This was around about October. So again, he's sort of trying to get us used to the way he's playing. Dan, do you think that was a bit of a hangover from getting rid of players?
0: Definitely, and it goes back to what I said earlier on. Especially away from home, he was trying to figure out who these players are and how they play. Was to try and play the same tactic whether it was home or away. And I don't yeah. think he really worked out the difference between. What those players could do and how the different teams could um, could adapt. Just going back, I think that five three game on New Year's Day was, was a massive turning point for the club. Well, I, I distinctly remember that day. It was a late kickoff on New Year's Day. Obviously yeah. hungover and going to football, but you get a late kickoff on New Year's Day. It's the, and you get Chelsea. It's a fantastic one to get up for. And you know, I remember that they went one 0 up, didn't they? And I'm thinking, oh God, I just want to go home now. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think we were we went we were three one up just before half time. I think we scored two goals in the last minutes of the um, first half. And all of a sudden, downstairs at the, at the Park Lane end, it was party time at, at half time. The beers were flowing. Everyone was party time thinking, "Well, this is just it's going to be a great result, isn't it?"
2: Under the lights of the lane, yeah, great great
1: memories. Actually, Dan, you you mentioned about it was a turning point because if you look at sort of the results after that, you know we did, we did lose the our next game to Palace, but then we didn't really lose too many games towards the, in that second half of the season. So I think you're right, Dan. That really was a was a real big turning point. Um, can I can I just throw in one of my one of my favourite games in that season? was actually the first game of the season away to West Ham and to beat West Ham in the last minute at their ground, you know, in their cup final, yeah. was just magical. And, I, you know, we talk a lot about, um, or we've been talking a little bit about Limbs in this podcast, but for him to do it in front of the Spurs fans, and, it was, it, I, you know, I never tire of watching that goal, seeing the fans celebrate, it's just
0: brilliant. I've got one other one for you that I think was a lightning rod for the team. It was Kane's goal against Villa. I think you mentioned it earlier on. It was a free kick. And the whole team, it was the, it was, I think it was the last minute as well. I think it was another last minute goal. And the team celebrated like we won the league. And I think that was another lightning rod for that team, kind of solidifying the fact that Kane is the future of our attacking formation and the change that was about to come with Kane leading the line. That those players that were on the pitch celebrating with him like that kind of were like, right, this is it. This is where we're going to go, move on from.
3: Yeah, Dan, do you remember in that game as well? We were behind in that game, weren't we? And Mason got Benteke yeah. sent off, and that was and that's it's just it's just another another player who had the club who had the club at heart, and that was possibly the problem with the bulk of players that came in and some of the bad eggs in the dressing room. It's just the the fact that, Ma- that Mason and Kane were the two protagonists in that game. Just like you said, just really it really helped the club turn, and obviously that we moved on to the Poch here and it was a
0: success. Yeah, Benteke slapped yeah. him in the face, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah he did Yeah, I do remember the game it was a Sunday, interesting.
2: Sunday game you? Mm.
0: Chad- Chadley
1: got uh, the first goal like another one of the signings for Magnificent Seven um, but uh, to your point down there we lost the next game at Stoke which we've heard about, but then we went on another okay run. So, you know, I think I think we sort of, it was a bit stop-start that season. But to finish fifth, for me, was quite a good season. Um, could I just move on to the cup competitions, then we possibly might sum up the league. So, if we talk about the FA Cup, oh, I remember going to this game, I don't know if you remember, we lost at home to Leicester. I think it was a last-minute goal by them. It was just absolutely terrible. We'd beaten Burnley in the third round, but then we lost at home to Leicester. Vaughan won it. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, and I do remember us you know, not playing a strong team again there. I mean, Potts seemed to have a history of doing that,
0: didn't he? Well,
2: you don't, you don't again, have to look any I, further than Vaughan in oh, Just a very weakened uh, team against uh, quite a strong Leicester team, I think.
0: I think there was a fitness thing there as well. That whole season, fitness-wise, you, the, the, I think some of the reason that we couldn't work out that team selection is because there were players that just weren't match fit after running for ninety minutes the, on the on the midweek games. Yeah, because
1: I mean, we had the Europa League in in that, and we played a lot of games in that, including a qualifying game. Let, actually, let's let's move on to the the Europa League that season. We had to play a qualifying round against Limassol, and then we got to the group stages. We had Besiktas in our group, Asteras Tripoli, and Partizan Belgrade. So there was a lot of travelling in there as
0: well. The Asterisk game, we've um, so, got to talk about that.
1: We, uh, but, uh, is that the Lamella? Got, Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so that was brilliant. I, m- I remember actually going to that game. It's a bit hard. I remember was quite a half full white heart lane as well, which was a bit strange. About twenty three thousand there for that game, but oh well. But I mean, we, we, we qualified from that group, and then we uh, we who we had Fiorentina. Anyone remember about the Fiorentina game? We actually drew one-one at home with them, and then we got knocked. Then they won two-nil away. And a certain Mo Salah was playing for Fiorentina. Mm, see, yeah, he scored. I think. I think Europa League sim it seems to be a lot of work for a little, um, a little output. Do you think, sim?
3: Yeah, for sure. It's, it was um I think mean, we probably did ourselves a bit of good going out going out reasonably early in the knockouts. the worst thing about the Europa League is when you get to sort of like maybe the last sixteen and the last eight and then you just go out on a really miserable Thursday night. But a lot of the memories of that campaign and there's not really very many, like Dan said, came in that Triple E game. The Astros yeah. game, the, the Brabona. And it's the same game that Kane got a hat trick and then went in goal and
1: threw one in as well, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. I mean, I mean, look, you, you think Lamella—that that really was just an outlandish piece of skill—and if, possibly if it was like a Messi, it would have got, you know, it really was. It's a really difficult skill to do, isn't it? I maybe that use Sim, obviously because I'm about ninety, so I, <laughs> yeah, I, I could never be
3: able to pull something like that off.
2: It's kind oh, of like the polar, polar, <laughs> polar opposite to what Dan was talking about. You know, the magic of the Champions League and that that night at home to Inter Milan—it's the polar opposite. Of the Europa <laughs> League on a Thursday night, often. Often, you know, the games are on at like 6 o'clock and I forget to watch them, you know. that much isn't oh, it, God, yeah. Yeah, dark, still coming back from dark work
1: days, dark yeah, days. Yeah. can we move on to the EFL Cup so the EFL Cup we actually got to the final Sim mentioned we beat Forest, and Ryan Mason started in that game we, then we beat Brighton we beat Newcastle 4-0 We made a semi-final against Sheffield United who remembers anything about the Sheffield United games because the away game is a great game we kind of scraped our way out of that and it was it, it
3: was a theme of that season that Ericsson was just digging us out of holes I mean, think there were, there were three games in the league where he scored late winners
2: and the, this was another one to get us of. One. Nigel Clough the manager. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, he took them to the lane and really gave us a hard time at the lane. We went back there and we sort of dug it out right at the end. Yeah, remember it. Yeah, he, he scored in the 88th minute
1: and uh, they, they were actually leading it at one point but he scored in the 88th minute, Eriksen. That, that, that was a great season for Erickson, wasn't it guys?
2: He came up with the goods very late in games. He's, he's probably yeah. had the most assists of anyone and... Of those signings, he was definitely the best.
1: Would I be wrong in sort of saying at that point, Dan, can I throw this to you? Ericsson was possibly one of the top, say, three, top five midfielders in the world at that point.
0: I'd, I'd say so, yeah, but I think that his game really came on when Kane started to get in the team because you could see they had that connection. They started to, when we were moving the ball around, Kane was able to hold the ball up and push it back, and, and it. To, it seemed to free Ericson up and he always used to just find this, you know, it, I don't think he's particularly quick, but he'd find that extra, that extra space so he could get that extra yard and get a shot away. And I think he writes in those, those late goals that season were a theme, not just from Ericson, yes. I think from, from the rest of the team as well. There was, you know, there's the one we talked about from Kane at, at Villa as well. There's, there was There was quite a few that year where we were like, well, we're out of this now. And then all of a sudden the late show kicked in. Yeah. Swansea and in just, Hull away. So just about that, that, that Chelsea game, and I know we mentioned the 5-3, and it was probably, as I said, it's my highlight of the season. Um, right, I think right what too. it did, though, to a manager that Mourinho, kind of in his, in his prime then, it shook him to understanding his team better, which meant that they beat us in the, in the cup final, because they set yeah. up completely different in that cup final,
2: Yeah,
0: and, and Pochettino was tactically outplayed, and you asked for the ones that stick in your throat, Ian, this is one of them that's stuck in the throat for me because I went into that game like full of beans, going, "We're going to smash this lot," and it was it was it was really bad. That's one of the worst Wembley experiences.
1: We were unlucky that they weren't. They scored goals at really key points. Terry scored on forty-five. Was it deflected? Wasn't it? And then I think own goal by Walker uh, deflected. uh, You know, they scored at really key points, didn't they?
3: The tactical game that Mourinho played um, down there because do you guys remember he put Zuma in midfield to nullify Ericsson, didn't he? Yeah, he just completely cancelled out the threat of our best player. Yeah, very
1: disappointing. Um, I just I just want to throw something in there on that one because we don't really want to dwell on on those uh, horrible people beating us. But uh, what was funny I was reading yesterday about how that Matic was suspended for the final, but when they were doing the celebrations, he got dressed up in his kit, so it is full kit on.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. It's yeah. like it's like Terry, isn't it? Uh, Terry did I, like, for the Champions League. I just think, yeah, it's absolutely tragic, isn't it? Matic hang your head in shame. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the last thing on that cup final. The, all the guys that I go to football with, we've always got this saying: we head to the pub beforehand, whether it's Wembley or down a White Hart Lane. Never let the football ruin a day at
1: the football. Great tagline, Dan. Obviously, you work in advertising. So I just want to throw one last thing in there. This, this, this season, Winx, uh, In this season, Winks and Onoma made their debuts. They only played one game each. Uh, um, you can sort of see Pochettino possibly moulding his squad. As Sin you said earlier, it's a, a bloated squad. So if I could sort of go around the virtual table and I can sort of ask you know, to sum up the season in one or two words, that would be great. So Peter, could you sort of sum up the season in one or two words, please?
2: Yeah, just so you can see green shoots coming through. Poch uh, moulding the team.
1: Okay. <laughs> Green green shoots I like that That's really good Sim What's your one or two words To sum up the season
0: Pretty similar Progress
1: Okay Yeah
0: Really good Yeah progress is good Dan I'd go building blocks Definitely Okay.
1: The, the same sort of uh, feeling, all, all three of your comments. I totally agree. We really were starting to build something, so that's fantastic. So, thanks so much, Dan, on your debut. I think possibly you've, done, you've had a really, really good debut in in my eyes, and I think carrying on like this, you know, you might get a spot on Celebrity Love Island soon. Oh,
0: I mean, you know, I don't know what my wife would say about that, but. Uh... <laughs>
3: Anyway, guys, thanks again. So, yes, um, Peter, Sim, and Dan, please keep safe all your families, and we'll see you all tomorrow for season 2013-14. Sim, do you want to give us a little bit of a, a teaser for that? Oh, I mean, it was probably the worst, the worst season in my memory. I just thought the season was awful, but I'm going
1: to enjoy more about it. Okay, it, this could be a, a dark, a dark uh, podcast. Thanks right, a right, lot, guys. Thank you. We'll see you soon, guys. Bye. Yes, guys.